And what I found was the more that I talked to web design clients about their business and understood their business and assigned values of what I did to their business, the more they wanted to hire me. And then the more I could charge them when they wanted to hire me because I wasn't just a web designer. Web design was the outcome of trying to do something better for their business on the internet. This is the Gently Mad, a show where I talk to and pick the brains of the smartest people running creative online businesses. Actually, not so much. If you're looking for that inspirational kick in the pants to help take your life and career to the next level, then this is probably not the place for you. To be perfectly honest, this podcast is about me. Hey, I'm Adam Clark and I'm your host. Thanks for listening. I do talk to people on this show, but instead of that double rainbow of success BS that you'll get in most entrepreneurial shows, we talk about failure, self-doubt, and all the insecurities that we all have that keep us from doing much of anything with our lives. If that sounds like your kind of thing, then head over to thegentlymad.com and subscribe. Any actionable advice or helpful tips are simply a byproduct and purely unintentional. All right, how's it going, my friends? This is The Gently Mad. I'm Adam Clark. Thanks for listening. This is my podcast. Uh, I talk on the show. I talk to people. I talk to you. I talk to myself. Mostly, I'm just talking to myself, I think. But I know some of you listen, you know? I mean, I see the stats. There are a few of you out there. And to you, I say thank you, okay? It, uh, it helps to be able to uh, get all my shit out and and have and know that someone else is listening. I'm hoping it's actually doing you some good. I, I don't know, but you, you might just be skipping all this part of the show anyway, which is fine. I mean, I, I would like it if you listen to it, but you don't have to. You know, uh, podcast players need one of those little skip intro buttons, like Netflix does. You know, Netflix has the thing where you can skip the intro and get right to your show. But then, I mean, I don't know why I'm saying podcast players need that because it would be self defeating for my own show where I have these longer intros, you know, actually, I'm curious if you're listening, you know, I always say that if you're listening to this right now, obviously you're fucking listening to this right now if you're hearing it. So whatever, uh, to those of you who are hearing this right now, which again is everyone that doesn't help. Okay. I need to start over. Uh, if you like these intros, let me know. If you don't like them, let me know. I'd be very curious to hear from you on that. This time around with the Gently Mad, I'm trying to make it less about, you know, my working out all my own shit and more something that can last more long term. You know, my goal this time is to do weekly episodes indefinitely. I'd love to eventually hit episode 100, (laughs) which never happens. I usually get to somewhere between 30 and 50 and then I'm done. So maybe that'll be the case this time. Not sure. Going along with letting me know if you were feeling super, super gracious and just really wanted to kind of help me out and make my whole day. If you wanted to jump over into iTunes and leave me a five-star review, that would be great. You don't have to type out a review. That would be awesome. But the five-star part is is the important part. But I would love for you actually to leave me a written review as well. And if you do, you'll be entered to win a copy of The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Great book. Changed my life. It will change yours. So far, uh, there's only a few entries. So uh, those of you who've done it, you know who you are. You're probably going to win <laughs> unless someone, unless other people do this uh, this month. All you have to do is go to iTunes, leave me a rating and review. It doesn't have to be five stars, but uh, leave me a rating and review. And, and then email me, you know, take a screen grab, screen cap of it and email it to me because iTunes doesn't show me your username or email address or stuff like that. And you'll be entered to win. So uh, I think you'll love this book. It's really good. I did it once before. Three years ago, I gave away this book and it was really popular. So do that to get the book or just because you're awesome and you want to help me out. (laughs) I would appreciate it. We've got Paul Jarvis on the show. Paul is a friend of mine. This is like his fourth, fifth. I don't know how many times he's been on the show. He's on here a lot, basically. But that's because he's got a lot to say. And we had a great conversation, uh, obviously, about business and entrepreneurship. And 
He's got a new podcast and a new book coming out called uh, Company of One. I think that's what it's called. Uh, sorry, Paul, if I, if I got that wrong. But uh, the, the show sounds great. The book looks great. And you guys all probably know who he is. If you listen to the show, then you, you probably know who Paul Jarvis is. Uh, he's got a lot of experience in creating products and selling them and, and doing it his own way. You know, doing it kind of in his style, his way, which tends to go against the traditional advice, you know. And it works. It works great. And so we talked a lot about that, about doing things the way you want to do them, forging your own path, etc., all that stuff. We also talked about work and how a lot of times it's work and all this, you know, follow your bliss bullshit is exactly that bullshit. Paul said uh, it's called work for a reason, not super happy fun time, which is one of my favorite quotes from the show. Anyway, it was a good conversation and we'll get to that here in a minute. But uh, yeah, how you guys doing? I mean, it's been uh, it's been a rough it's been a rough week for me, just because. Well, it's an overwhelming week, I should say, not rough, but it's overwhelming. Uh, Podcast Royale, my new podcast production company, has just it's it's going so well. I mean, it's going way better than I expected it to. What that means is, I'm bringing on new clients all the time, and I'm finding myself with just so much work to do to the point where like I, I I'm forgetting what day it is like they're all just blurring together have you ever been in that spot that's the spot I'm in and it's it's starting to starting to get to me a little bit and I've got to change something so that I don't burn out which is what usually happens I'm starting to change a few things if you have ideas email me I don't really know what I'm doing I'm just I'm just doing what seems like the right thing to do and so far so good but it just means I'm slammed all the time. So it's it's I'm, I'm at that point of overwhelm where I'm really starting to start to fade a little bit. And I need to I fell asleep at my desk the other night. <laughs> That's what happened. I woke up uh, my I don't know if my my head just hit the desk or I mean, I don't know. I just I mean, I, I, my neck kind of hurt a little bit like I'd been laying in a weird way, you know. But I don't remember falling asleep. I just woke up. The last thing I remember was working. So that's the point I'm at, guys. All right. And I, I need to I need to create I need to create a better routine, some better habits here, so that doesn't continue. Anyway, we're gonna get right into this conversation with Paul. And uh oh, by the way, the bonus episode this week. Great, great episode. Kind of like last week, it was another one that was as long, if not longer, than the main episode. And it was fantastic. Paul, we kind of did this deep dive into course making and exactly how Paul has transitioned from freelance client work to making all of his income from the courses and products he sells. And he's kind of changed up some of how he does it recently. He switched from evergreen, an evergreen sort of always open course model to a closed cart model where uh, the courses are only available for certain times of the year. And we get into all that. Uh, what, wh- why? You know, is that good? Is that bad? Uh, and it, it was a really, really great bonus episode. So if you want that, you can go to thegentlymad.com and subscribe, and you will get the private feed. Or if you're on your phone right now, just jump over to your messages and text the word TGM to three four five three four five, and that will get you on the list. All right, we'll be back in just a minute after this brief word from our sponsor. This episode of The Gently Mad is brought to you by Fizzle. Fizzle is sponsoring the first month of The Gently Mad's return, and I am very grateful to them for doing that. Fizzle is a community of entrepreneurs who won't let you quit. They have courses and all sorts of materials for learning how to start a business. No matter where you fall in the stage of maybe you just know that you want to start something, but you don't even have an idea or know how to get one. Fizzle can help you through that period. Maybe you have an idea, but you don't know how to get started from that idea. Maybe you should hire people. Maybe you should bootstrap it. Maybe you should get funding. It, it's all in there. Okay. There, there's a ton of valuable course content, but the reason I'm a member and have been a member for years and the reason I love it is for the community. And you've heard me say this over and over again on this show. It's an amazing community of like-minded people that provide 
a certain kind of support that people like us need. A lot of times I just need some feedback. I'm stuck or I'm overwhelmed, like I've been saying in this episode, and that all happens inside of Fizzle. They're my favorite company on the internet. I say that without hesitation. I'm a huge fan. I would do anything for them, and I'm really grateful that they're uh, helping me out by sponsoring the first month of this show. So head over to fizzle.co slash TGM and you can get a month free and sign up and look me up. Fizzle.co slash TGM. You won't regret it. Do it. All right, guys, let's talk to Paul Jarvis. Don't forget about the bonus episode. Text the word TGM to 345345 and get on that list. I'll be back at the end to wrap things up. Essentials is a course that you do, and I mean, you have a lot of courses and podcasts and different things now. But um, which is Chimp Essentials your your main one? I mean, for a while, Creative Class was kind of your main one, I thought. And um, I don't know what's what's like the the main foundation of your content empire these days. Yeah. Well, I think it's a combination of the three courses: the Chimp Essentials, uh, Creative Class, and Grow Your Audience. Like those are. Like it depends launch season to launch season, which one, which pony pulls ahead in the race. Yeah. I think this launch season, cause I launched spring and fall, right? So this spring I've only launched chimp essentials, which is why it's fresh in my mind. And I redid the entire thing and I didn't redo the entire thing for creative class or grow your audience this year. I redid creative class last year. Yeah. So I don't know which is good because I still have the two courses coming up for launch. I think one in April, one in May. So I don't know which one. I think in the fall, Creative Class did the best. But mm. in the spring before that, it was uh, Creative... Sorry, Chimp Essentials did the best last fall. In the spring, Creative Class. And then the fall before that, it was Grow Your Audience. <laughs> yeah. So it changes all the time. Well, that's actually... Uh, this is um, this is totally going to be like just questions that seemingly have uh no order to them but uh that's just the way it's gonna go um i I figure people listening to this will most likely know who you are but what i guess for those few that don't know the great paul franklin jarvis um so so the people that aren't my mom who are listening you notice i just made up a a middle name for you by the way so exactly um, and i i want to just keep thinking that it's Franklin. So let's sure. just, go I, I'm that. not going to tell you otherwise. So. <laughs> uh, for those few people like, uh, you know, what, what, what is your, you know, what, what's your one sentence? Uh, what, what do you, what do you do? Cause it's changed a lot over the last 20 years, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm a writer who designs or a designer who writes. I don't know which yet yeah. today. It's probably a writer who designs. Yeah. Do, do you think of yourself more as, cause you have books and you're publishing your first, like, traditionally published book right now um but so you think of yourself more as an author than like an online educator um and like course maker because well yeah i'll let you answer instead of answering for you yeah so uh, the the interview would be a whole lot easier (laughs) if you ask the questions then answer them for me in the question yeah (laughs) yeah so i like so courses make up the bulk of my income for sure but i think the, the courses are taught through content Right. Yeah. Like I think. Right. So I, I guess a more apt way to describe what I do would be I, I, I make content and a lot of it is writing. So even though the courses are videos, I still have to write the lessons. I still pitch them through writing and a bit of video. Even with the podcast that I host, there's still a whole lot of writing that's involved. So writing is kind of like the linchpin for all of the things that I do. Yeah. So that's why I kind of default to that. And then, yeah, I write books and I've written articles every single week since November 6th, 2012, yeah. November 8th, 2012, something like that. One of the yeah. first sun, the first Sunday in November in 2012 is when I started writing a weekly newsletter and I haven't stopped. What? Yet. I'm stubborn. What what happened on that Saturday or the previous, you know, why the um, what changed? 
I was like, hey, how about I start a newsletter? At the time, <laughs> email marketing wasn't being rammed down everybody's throat like it is now. Right. And I was just like, this seems like a good way to keep in touch with people who want to know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. And at the time, it was all I was doing, or all I was doing, I was primarily focused on web design. It took up 100% of my time, so it wasn't like, that's all I was doing. I was, I was mostly sitting on the beach, drinking my ties, running my digital <laughs> oh, nomad business. <laughs> yeah, so I was doing web design, and I was like, okay, I want to keep my clients up to date. I want to let them know when I have time in my schedule, and I want to let people know who want to hire me because I'm booked months in advance when they will be able to. So that was like the newsletter back then was just, hey, this is what I launched. I have two spots available in three months. If you want to book them, we got to talk on the phone. You got to give me a down payment and sign a contract. Yeah. And that was, it was basically, it was like my sales funnel, which hasn't actually changed because email is the sales funnel for all of the products that I sell now. Yeah. Well, and that's something that I definitely want to get into. But um, I think back then, like I'm trying to think 2012-ish, I mean, I was doing, I was uh, self-employed at that point doing web design as well. And I don't think a lot of designers or freelancers or, you know, companies of one, uh, shall we say, um, uh, were doing, were using email as a way of marketing then. So I'm curious, like, did you just have that idea or, um, I mean, what, 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 what brought that to your mind as, as a way you could, uh, basically market your business? I mean, ideally, I'd like to say that I weaponized email first, but <laughs> it was probably like at, at the time, um, I was listening to a lot of what Chris Brogan had to say. Yeah. And he had an email that went out on Sundays, which I thought was kind of neato. Yeah. And I was like, what if I said an email on Sundays, just like Chris? <laughs> yeah. And so I did. So that's that's probably what it was. And at the time, he was focused on products. And I was focused on uh, services. But eventually, I just ended up being product focused as well. So I don't I don't I don't exactly know what it was, but I think it was the a lot of it came from the idea that I'm lazy. So I like to figure out ways to do the work once and have it work for me more than one time. <laughs> yeah. So getting 100 emails about, hey, when can I hire you? It's inefficient to answer 100 emails. Yeah. It's super efficient to answer 100 emails with one email. Yeah. In definitely. newsletter form. And that's why I wrote, that's why I started writing. That's still why I write books is I don't want to write the same email with the same information to a thousand people. Yeah. A thousand times. I want to write an email to a thousand people one time. Or I want to write the content one time and then sell it as a book or a course or whatever. Right. Or just have it go out as an email for free. Well, one thing I've noticed about all of your podcasts and newsletters, and I don't think I've been on them since the very beginning. I don't remember when we first met. I mean, it was probably about four years ago or, or four and a half, somewhere. So I was probably a couple of years after you started the newsletter, but you were still you're still focused on web design. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Because my first show, the gently mad, I interviewed you about web, web stuff. Um, so yeah, that would have been, yeah, I don't remember when, but anyway, um, it was February 11th in 2015. <laughs> right. Yeah. Are you being serious? No, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm hundred percent being serious. I found the email that you sent. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. Well, the 2015, that would have been our second interview because that was the reiteration, relaunch of the Gently Mad. So there was one before that um, with the first Gently Mad that was focused on web design. But um, anyway, the, the, the point of this rambling uh, question is that I've noticed of all your content and stuff, one thing that you always did differently that I didn't do and that I see a lot of people doing is like you wrote content for or produced content for your customers or prospective customers where it seemed like a lot of people, including myself, were using podcasts and newsletters and blogs and videos. I don't know how to, it was more for our peers. It was almost like, hey, look, I'm real too. I'm a professional too. You know, it was, it was more like a, you know, wanting to impress, you know, the, the other people in the industry. And, um, well, maybe that was just my motivation. I'm not going to assign motivation to everyone else out there, but, um, but it seemed more, a lot more aimed at peers than customers, you know, and I don't know. Um, first of all, did you, do you agree with that? Do you notice that? And second, yes. um, 
Okay. Was that an intentional strategy when you decided to, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it because it makes more sense. No, 100%. It was conscious. This is one of those answers where I can answer honestly and make it (laughs) seem like I made a really smart choice. Yeah. Not like the last question. (laughs) So I noticed that as well. I noticed that most web designers in particular were writing for other web designers or creating stuff for other web designers. Yeah. And I was like, fuck other web designers. <laughs> yeah. They're never going to give me money. Yeah. The people who are going to give me money are the people who need to hire web designers. So what can I write for them? And the second book, the first book that I wrote was a vegan cookbook. So that doesn't matter. Right. But the second book that I wrote was a book on how to work with and hire web designers. Yeah. And what that did, even though it sold all right, but the, the primary thing that happened after I wrote that book is everybody wanted to hire me as a web designer because I was the person who knew how to make web design projects work for clients. Yeah. So that was, and it was like, I don't care what people in my industry think about me. Right. Like it just doesn't, I, I don't care. Like, I also don't want to write about like grids or color theory. Like that kind of stuff isn't that interesting. Yeah. And it's even not that interesting to people. Like it's only interesting to other web designers Clients don't care about that. Like if I put in my proposal, I'm going to write it in like HTML and I'm going to use like less for CSS compiling and use this grid. They're like, I don't care. Yeah. What I'm going to put in my proposal is how I'm going to make you fucking money. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what matters. So that's kind of what I started to talk about. And what I found was the more that I talked to web design clients about their business and understood their business and assigned values of what I did to their business, the more they wanted to hire me and then the more I could charge them when they wanted to hire me because I wasn't just a web designer. Web design was the outcome of trying to do something better for their business on the internet. Yeah. And that was a huge shift. That made me like I could just keep charging more and more and more and more when that shift happened. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I have a theory and I'm curious if you think that... Um, a lot of that where most of the industry and it's not just web design. I mean, it could, you know, the whole internet marketing content um, industry too. Um, Do do you feel like it's, it's gotta be one of two things. It's either gotta, it's either has to come from um, this desire, like you said, to be um, approved of by one's peers, or it's coming from a place of people don't really know don't really know what they're doing. You know, it's a lot harder to, it's, it's a lot harder to deliver, you know, writing about, um, your design process is one thing and just about anyone can do that. But writing about, um, how you grow a business and get more clients and make more money and have real ways that are tested and proven that you have tested and proven to do that is is a totally different thing. I mean, that's, if you can do the second, then you actually know what you're doing. So I guess I'm wondering, I wonder if it's because a lot of people are kind of posers and they don't really know how to accomplish those things. They just hope that it works. Or if it's, maybe it's a combination of both of, of, of wanting to be liked and also not exactly knowing how to directly impact the bottom line. They just know that, well, I can design you a website and they just hope it, hope it works. You know, does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. And I think like I didn't go to school for business, just like I didn't go to school for design. Like I learned how to do these things by trying things. And I learned how to do a lot of these things, especially the business stuff by trying it myself first. Yeah. Right. And then paying attention to the clients who were doing ridiculously well like having one client who is super successful or who you can watch grow into something really successful is the best learning schooling anything that can ever happen if you work with clients yeah like seriously me watching a few of my clients go from pretty successful to like orders of magnitude seven eight figure successful businesses was was better than any MBA program that I could have ever attended. I mean, oh, I yeah. assume I've, I've never like looked into taking an MBA. I've never wanted to. But so I think well, a no, lot of real, times... Real world examples... That's tough to say, man. <laughs> real world <laughs> examples are, are always... That's like sort of an, an apprenticeship model. That's always going to yeah. be better than just reading or you know taking in information. So um, I totally agree with you. I mean... Ha- did you kind of, did that happen? And then you go, Hmm, okay, I'm going to reverse engineer this process. Like what did I do and how did that directly impact their growth so that then you could, 
you know, figure out that, hey, I know how to do this and I can teach other people how to do this and I can repeat this with other clients. Um, you know, those first few successes like that, like how did, how did you, I guess, sort of distill that into something that you, you could uh, reproduce, I guess? Yeah. So the logic was that I wanted to make more money because I've been a web designer for a long time, but I wasn't always making a ton of money doing web design, yeah. which a lot of people are in that position. And I was like, okay, I, I want to make more money. And then the second thing was, I don't want to make more money by growing a business into like an agency where I have to hire people and then manage people. And I suck at managing people and I don't like people. And so I was like, okay, how can I make more money by staying the same size? Yeah. And there's only like, I, what I found was there seemed to be a limit for how much somebody that just knows one skill can can do. Like, even <laughs> yeah. if it's a skill that's highly valuable, like, say, engineering. Whereas if you know one skill really well, but then add on additional skills, like being a web designer who really understands how online business and e-commerce and email marketing, how all of those things work and then work together. Yeah then the sky is kind of the limit for how much it's just like at CEOs get paid a lot more than like the, the, like a senior programmer or a senior designer or creative director, right? Because they understand like how the business works and not even how every single part of every single business works. Like it's not the, the, the CEO's job to understand every single thing is to understand enough of everything to be able to connect the pieces in a smart way. Right. So that's kind of, that was kind of my logic was I, I want to make more money. I want to make more than $500 a website. <laughs> yeah. It was taking me like a month or two to make. So <laughs> what do I need to do? And it was like, okay, I need to learn a whole bunch of other shit. Yeah. To make my web design more valuable and to make my web design the outcome of like goals for a project. Like people don't hire web designers because they want their website to look pretty. Like that's typically yeah. not the main reason or the only reason. They want to hire somebody to make their website look pretty because they want to make more money or increase sales or increase customers or increase leads. Like there's an underlying business reason for the hire. Yeah. So if you understand why they're hiring you, then you can kind of stack the deck to be able to answer that why a lot better. Yeah, totally. Well, so I, the, I, that naturally leads into, you know, you, you discovered and decided that you needed to learn these things. How did you go about learning those things? And the just really quick, the, the kind of thought behind that question is, um, I mean, there's so much like me too stuff in this uh, industry. And um, I'm not talking about the sexual harassment me too. I just realized yeah. that's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? It's like, there's a me too business. It's like someone could watch your chimp essentials course and basically kind of rewrite that information in their own words and say, you know, I can teach people now how to utilize, you know, MailChimp to the greatest effect. You know, there's a lot of those kinds of businesses and people out there. And um, there's just a huge difference between that and really knowing from real experience how to do those things. So, uh, you know, how did you go about doing that instead of just instead of just, you know, Googling a list of buzzwords and, and, and pumping up your pro your um, proposals to make it sound like you did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's side projects. So I wanted to get better at the business side of online business. So I started a bunch of online businesses. Like I started selling a bunch of products. And I mean, all of them, I was going to say, some, a lot, all of them failed spectacularly <laughs> in the beginning. And then I figured some stuff out and then launched better and then started to learn. And then as well, I was paying attention to the people who were actually doing it and talking to it. Like I asked some of my clients so many fucking questions about what they were doing and why they were doing it. I'm like, I know you hired me, but I have just 10,000 questions yeah. to ask you. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it, and, and I mean, that comes down to like the, the way that I learn, like that's why I, I'm just drop out of school like I don't learn by watching or by listening I'm shitty at both of those things I learn by doing yeah so and yet you sell started a bunch learning of by watching and listening <laughs> well I sell that but at the end of every lesson for every course there's an action that people need to sure. take I, and that's the most important 
Thing. Yeah. And it even says in the intros to most of, I think to all the courses is like the, the lectures are one thing, but actually doing the work is the main thing. And then when even people ask me like, how long does it take to the course? I'm like, it'll probably take you two to three hours to watch the videos, but now your work starts after that. And I can't tell right. you how long it's going to take. Yeah. So I think that that, and that's a point that I think a lot of people who sell information products miss or teaching products miss yeah. is that there has to be an action associated with the with the learning. Otherwise, yeah. it's just like, oh, I read a good business book. I, I learned so much. I'm doing none of those things. Like, how useful was that book then? Yeah, because so. there's so many. It's, it's like this giant circle jerk. I mean, it's like uh, yeah. it's um, and now I just realized this podcast is definitely going to have to be explicit. But um, <laughs> um, if all the F-bombs before um, I didn't make me realize that, but it, there's so much like, you know, Internet marketers making money, teaching other people how to make uh, how to make money by becoming an Internet marketer by selling other people their product on how to make money by becoming an Internet marketer. You know what I mean? It's like yep. this giant circle and no one is actually doing anything. And so um, uh, it, it, I think that's just what turns so many people off because it's it feels so phony because it's like you're teaching me how to create a business and your business is teaching people how to create businesses. It's not actually running a business. And so there's actually a couple I'd love to ask you, like what you think about that and and, you know, alternatives to that. But um, but before we lose it, I wanted to back up. You talked about there were so many failures and, and things that didn't go well and you, and you learned a few things and did something different. Is there anything you can remember, like just something super practical, like one of those things that failed and then the specific thing you, you learned from that? Because I'm trying to understand how someone who is where you were um, back in 2012 or whenever this was and knows they need to learn these things, but isn't quite sure how they go about learning it um, in any other way than just taking another online course or reading an article, you know? Yeah. And there wasn't a whole lot of either at that time. Right. Like, I don't know if there even was. B-School might have existed back then. Yeah. I don't remember. But there, like, there was definitely not as many courses or anything back then. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the, an example of one of the failures is uh, myself and two friends. And these two friends, like, one was a lead developer at Twitter and one runs a bunch of successful companies now. So it wasn't like, it was just like two other people off the street who <laughs> didn't know anything. Like, these people yeah. are experts at their, are masters of their craft. So the, the two of them and I created a product um, that was going to manage customers customer service for car dealerships online. So if somebody can like if I brought my car to a car dealer to get like an oil change, then we'd follow up with the software to see like a satisfaction survey. This is like, this exists now for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I, there are companies that make a ton of money doing this at the time there weren't. But the problem was that I know nothing. The three of us knew nothing about car dealerships. <laughs> yeah. We had no contacts with car dealerships. We knew nothing about the industry. We didn't know how it all worked other than we're customers of car, like we, all three of us own cars. One doesn't anymore. Actually, oh no, one doesn't. One rides his bike more than he drives. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, so like we didn't know anything. And the next thing that, so that was big mistake number one is we just didn't understand the fucking market at all. And yeah. we didn't have any contacts in that market. The second thing was that we just started to build it and it took us about six months and all we focused on was building it. And we didn't start talking to people. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't interview a single person that owned a car dealership or worked in a car dealership. We didn't start making contacts with car. Like we could have taken the time at that point to start knowing the industry, to start making connections in the industry. We did not do those things, Adam. <laughs> we did yeah. none of those things. We focused on building the software. Yeah. So when we launched, we launched to nobody right. because oh, like who else we're going to launch to when nobody knows about it, about us. And none of the three of us own car dealerships. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we found one car dealership, um, a BMW dealer in <laughs> Southern Ontario. Still remember them. And they signed on for one month or two months and then we're done. And that was the, that was the sum total of the customers that we had yeah. start to finish. So yeah, what, that what, was a, that was what, a big, what, that was a big problem. Yeah, definitely. And but I don't think the problem with that was that you your idea was something you didn't have an exp have experience in because that's something that 
we all run into at some point and, and, and maybe what someone wants to start is something that, you know, I don't think you have to own a car dealership to create the business you just described. So what nope, is 100% the problem was yeah. that we didn't take time to understand the industry once we like if we had said we want to build a software and then took six months to understand it while building it and maybe it took us eight months instead of six like if we had the idea to do it and then just started learning about the industry and making contacts in the industry while we were building it then we could probably have one of like the top customer service software companies out there now because this was this was ages ago yeah but we didn't like we made the decision to make the thing. Then we built the thing in fucking secret. Yeah. Like yeah. it just like it doesn't. And now I like I build everything that I make in public. And once I talked to like all of the products that I make are the result of talking to people. Yeah. Which sucks for a lot of people who want to make products on the Internet because they want to make products on the Internet so they don't have to talk to people. Yeah. It I doesn't know. work that way. Like there's a difference between making a product and building a business. Yeah. What? And well, the okay, second but, one but is what that, you kind of need to do. What, what is that difference? I mean, just how, how would you describe that difference? So you can't build a business off of 100% focusing on building a product, right? Like, like, like that's what we did. Yeah. So you need to talk to people. You need to do some like market research or like interviews or get to know people or go to conferences. Like if we had gone to like all of the conferences that year for card, like I'm sure there's conferences for car dealerships or car sales. Yeah. We could have made a ton of contacts. Yeah. Like we could have like sponsored some, we could have sponsored it. Like we could have done so many more things to like get to know the industry and then understand because what we thought they needed wasn't what they needed. And we didn't, we went in thinking, or software developers, we know how to solve a problem with software. We had the problem wrong. Yeah. And we would have had the problem right if we had actually asked some fucking questions (laughs) and we did not. Do you know, stupid. Do you know at this point what the, in hindsight, uh, what the problem actually was that you, you should have been trying to solve or or that's not something you really have thought about because it, it isn't something you've continued with? Yeah, it failed. So we didn't, we didn't think about it. And we didn't end up talking to anyone at car dealerships. Right? So, so like, was, I don't know the answer to that. What was that conversation like after all this time and effort, the three of you sit down and like, well... All right. Well, see you around. I mean, what? Do you, what how did that? What did that? How does that go when you decide well, this? Uh, this didn't work. So yeah. I mean, the develop the one guy got hired. One guy got hired at Twitter right after moved to San Francisco, and he like there wasn't a, like I'm talking to one of the guy, one of the three guys today about a new business idea. Oh, okay. Like we still, and this is this is a long time ago we did this yeah and like i'm still in touch with both of them and like it wasn't like fuck you all kind of thing it (laughs) was just like this didn't work we were probably really stupid for all the points i've just listed to you yeah we need to do better next time so man well okay so talking to people um (laughs) what what would you say uh what what's a you know how, how would you put together a plan to actually do that like um if let's take the car industry thing let's say you're doing that again today i'm assuming you don't know any more now about car dealerships than you did then but uh, maybe you do but assuming you didn't um and you were going to try to do it the right way and and you mentioned going to conferences and not going to peer conferences again which I feel like I need to stress, you know. Yeah, wouldn't going, go to a software conference to learn yeah, how to make software for car dealerships. Right, exactly. Like, go to industry conferences. Um, but in addition to, like, going to conferences and things, um, would you have just, okay, let's compile a list of dealerships in our area and um, call them up and see if we can talk to, I don't know, pick the person that you would talk to and and just ask them some questions about the things they struggle with. Is, is that what you, when you say talk to people, is it, is it as simple as that or does it need to be more complicated than that? No, I don't think it does. I mean, figuring out um, what the problem is and then listening to the way that they logically frame the problem and the words that they use to describe the problem would go a long, long way. Because, I mean, like, that's how I build products now. So, like, but the other thing is that also all of the courses that I sell and all the software that I made that I sell now that I still sell that make money, I built those things because people were asking me for them. Yeah. Not, not not asking me like, hey, Paul, I need to buy a course on MailChimp. Go make it. Right. 
But I have an inbox of probably a thousand emails asking me questions about MailChimp or how do I do things? How can I do things the way Paul does things? Or how can I like not pay for duplicate subscribers? Like I have so many, and like every single thing that I make is from that need. People asking me like, hey, how do I do this? Or I want to do this. How do I do this? Or how can I do things the way you do things? That sort of thing. And yeah. I mean that. Get, uh, like you're building things with a built-in audience for them at that point. Yeah. And you know what they want because they're asking you for it and you know how they're wording it. So you know how to word the positioning on the sales and marketing that you do. Like it's just easier. Like yeah. you could build a product and hit a home run doing it the way that I did it with the car dealership software. Yeah. But it's a get like it's all guesswork and hubris at that point. It's just you thinking that you know yeah. something better and you could be on the mark. Yeah. Like I could be right about my guesses some of the time probably not going to be most of the time. Whereas if I fill in as many blanks as possible, it's a much more educated guess. Yeah, definitely. Well, so um, again, the next logical question is um, what if, you know, uh, your current courses came from, from those things, but how did you get to the point where you had a thousand questions in your email box? You know, if you're just starting, or even if you're not just starting, even if you've been doing something for a long time and maybe you have an email list of a few hundred people or even a thousand people, that doesn't automatically mean you're getting lots of questions that lead to product ideas. So like what what, what are the what's in between the uh, the, the idea the, the, of something, the starting of something and getting to the point where, you know, you have people coming to you and asking you questions? Yeah, it's networking and services. Yeah. Like that it, it it's those two things. So networking, making contacts in with people in the industry that want those things or getting in front of people who want those things where they already spend their time on the internet like doing podcast interviews or guest posts or or starting your own podcast or blog that answers those questions like that's what I did and nobody wanted to interview me or have yeah. me write a guest post in the beginning nobody knew who I was so I was just like I ha- I'm going to just start writing this content and sharing it with as many people as possible and even just like keeping in touch with people yeah. Like, I feel like that is kind of a lost art. And like, that's how I made money as a freelancer. That's how I make money as a, as a product person now. And so networking is always, and at any level, it's just like when I was working with Fortune 500 companies, the only reason that they hired me is because they knew me or knew somebody that knew me. Right. So like when I was doing work with Mercedes Benz, totally outside of the soft, the software <laughs> was long and dead at that point. Yeah. I was just doing web design. I was just doing application interface design for them. It was because I had a continued friendship with somebody that knew the product manager at the group that needed this, that needed to hire some outside help because their internal design team was busy. Yeah. And so networking is always like really, really, really important. What was the second thing? I already forgot. It was networking (laughs) and something else. You said it was networking and um, services. Services. Yeah. So... Before I would do any products, I would start with services. So like if I wanted to, if I was starting out and I was like, oh, I want to make a MailChimp course, I can make a MailChimp course right now and nobody's going to buy it. If I started using my network and seeing who needed help with their MailChimp account or MailChimp market or email marketing, started working with them as a consultant, I could do that today. Like I could email 10 people and find somebody or email another 10 people and find somebody and just start working with them. And I would do that until I couldn't take, like I didn't have the bandwidth to do any more one-on-one work and then move to one-to-many, which is what I, which is exactly what I did with my career is I got so busy as a web designer and a consultant, I had to move into products Yeah, because I, I like, it doesn't work like, oh, I need help with my email marketing. Okay. Well, hire me in 18 months. Yeah. It's like, no, nobody's going to do that. That yeah. just doesn't work. So, well, I think, yeah. I think the problem is, is that, um, a lot of people, uh, th- that they don't like that answer, you know, because yeah, no. it's Lots not, of people hate that answer <laughs> because you're saying you can't start with your product. You can't start with your course or your ebook or your, you know, whatever the thing is you want to sell. You have to start with, uh, you have to start by gaining experience, solving that problem and which also builds your network like working yeah. with lot like in the beginning the clients that i had were the biggest supporters of the products that i had so when yeah. i released that book i think in 2013 the how to work with a web designer book my clients promoted the shit out of it and because some of my clients were really really successful they had big platforms and that really helped and that yeah 
building a network of, and you don't even have to do it. Like, I think I did services for like 16 years. Yeah. You don't have to do services for 16 years, <laughs> right? Like, even if it's six months or whatever the amount of time it is. And I don't even think it's necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying the right way to do it is services to products. I'm just saying the easier, less risky way to do it is services to products. Because then you're making less guesses. Yeah. You're only making smart guesses because you have some of the constants. And plus, you're making money. It's really hard to launch a product from a place of like, oh, shit, I need to make rent next month. Yeah, totally. That that puts, um, and, and it, just to be clear, it's possible to do that. I have done mm-hmm. that, but it's, and, I, and I'm sure you've done it too, but it's yeah. very stressful. And, and the likelihood, the percentage of, you know, the odds that you're going to burn out or quit um, because that's so hard are so much higher. You know, if, yep. if you if you are trying to do that and if, if you're making something and your livelihood depends on it making money, um, I feel like that's just a recipe for 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 quitting, <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, it's just. Yeah. Anyway. But um, but I also feel like, yeah, you said you don't have to do it that way, but it makes it easier. But part of me feels like. I don't know, maybe you do have to do it that way because what real credibility do you have if you if you haven't done that? Otherwise, it's just like like I mentioned before, it's your whole business is uh, teaching other people. Um, you're teaching other people how to teach other people. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. There's there was a funny Reply All episode about that, how <laughs> and it had to do with I don't know if you listen to Reply All. It's my favorite podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But the the episode on drop shipping where they're like, we haven't found a single drop shipper who's making money, like buying shit cheap on Alibaba, then selling it through Instagram ads. We haven't found a single person who's making money doing the drop shipping. We've only found people who have who make money teaching other people how <laughs> exactly. to make money drop shipping. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes me feel like services is kind of, uh, I mean, it's not a required um, prerequisite, but it feels it feels kind of like, why would you try to make a product um, teaching someone, someone something that you've never actually done, you know? Yeah, like in the beginning, like after a while, you can have credibility through like testimonials from students and stuff like that. If you don't have any students, like the way that I worded my Chimp Essentials course, the day that I launched it, was I've helped hundreds of people set up their MailChimp account and yeah. I've run my own MailChimp account and made like six, seven figures on products doing it this way. Like, I don't really need a student testimonial. Like, student yeah. testimonials are a bit less important at that point. Yeah. But if I didn't have that credibility from doing services, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I would do. I don't, I don't know how I would make myself sound credible. Yeah, I know. It's, it's yeah, I don't either. But, um, okay, well, I know we're almost out of time, but uh, I, so I want to ask you then, um, you know, if, if what you want to do, though, is make products, you know, if you if you do want to make courses and books or, you know, you imagine your future as as um, creating content for other people, helping other people better themselves or their businesses or whatever. Um, it, I'm, I'm guessing it's not bad to have that desire. So um, basically your advice would just be, yeah, it's fine if that's what you want to do. You just can't start there. Like you, you have to have some pre-experience to, to build on. Yeah, or that pre-experience makes it a lot less risky. I think the other thing that people don't take into account is like everybody I know wants to write a book. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, it'd be cool to write a book or I wish I could write a book. And I'm like, well, how much time do you spend writing every day? And they're like, none. Uh, none. <laughs> yeah. And like, well, then you don't want to write a fucking book. It's yeah. like a dream. It's like a dream you have. Yeah. And the dream isn't tied to any associated action whatsoever. It's just like courses take a long time to make. Like there's a lot yeah. of writing and then videos. And then like the process that it takes for me to make a course or even redo a course is months of work. Yeah. And a lot of that time is spent talking to other people, right? Yeah, So, totally. And even like, there's even like for the software that I have, software requires technical support. Like the bulk of my energy after I built the software product is supporting it. So if you don't like doing support, then maybe you shouldn't have yeah. a like software product. Or if you don't like selling, you maybe, maybe you don't need to have like a course, Right. Like, I think yeah. you, I think people need to take it. Like, it's good to like everybody. Like when I was a kid, I wanted to be I was going to say I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be a dinosaur. That doesn't really relate to this conversation <laughs> yeah. in any way. Whatsoever. Right. Yeah. But like I wanted to be an astronaut and that was a dream. 
actually, I wanted to be a doctor as well. I think I wanted to be a dinosaur doctor astronaut. <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah. I, there was nothing so there was nothing tied to that like i didn't want to go to med school i didn't want to like i don't know what you need yeah. to do to be an astronaut yeah. <laughs> i don't even, i don't even know but like there was not like it was just a dream yeah right or like i want to be like a chef i'm not i'm not going to spend time like learning how to be a chef it's just a dream yeah whereas like if i want to be a right like i love writing i love sitting by myself on my computer and just writing yeah every single day like that's one of my favorite things to do or doing research or doing interviews in order to write like that those are some of my favorite things to do so because i do all those things i can write articles and books all the time and people say like oh, i don't have time to write every day or i don't have time to write like a weekly newsletter i'm like bullshit yeah everybody has time it's just a matter of priorities like you don't prioritize that stuff therefore it doesn't get done yeah there's a difference there like i have the same number of hours as every single person on the planet well i think but people just I prioritize things differently yeah for sure and i think people just see people like you they see people who you know i'm gonna call successful and they uh because you are and and they see they want that right. success it's not the actual necessarily the work behind it they they want they yeah. want whatever you've achieved and so it, it's not so much oh i love writing it's i'd love to be someone who makes a living from selling products and has some notoriety and acclaim you know and when the question i guess you should be asking yourself is what do you really enjoy doing and then yep. extrapolate from there rather than start with i want to be like x person because they seem cool and and try to copy you know yeah, know. I'm not cool. I sit at home by myself in my sweatpants all day working. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, it's a, like the dream is alive in my Costco sweatpants. <laughs> nice. All right, dude. Well, thanks for thanks for taking the time and coming on and, and doing this. This is like our fourth episode. And um, of course, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. This was a lot of fun as per usual. Well, that was a great talk. It was fun, right? Right? I always like talking to Paul. It's it, it's always fun. And I always feel like I learned something. I'm on his newsletter. You should get on his newsletter, the Sunday Dispatches. It's it's one of my favorite newsletters. I read it every time. So you can check that out at his website, PJPRP. I don't know. Like he said, Google Paul Jarvis. I don't even remember. <laughs> But thanks, Paul, for coming on the show. Uh, if you like that episode, then you're really going to love the bonus episode. And you can get that by going to thegentlyman.com and subscribing or jumping over into the messages app on your phone and texting TGM to 345-345. Don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. I would greatly appreciate it. And you'll be entered to win this month's book giveaway, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Great book. Seriously, it'll change your life. Just do it for the book, if not for me. Also, if you're enjoying the show, I would love it if you would tell your friends about it. Help me promote it. That would really mean a lot to me. It would help me get in front of more people and help me maintain this as a business and something that I can hopefully keep doing indefinitely. Questions, comments, feedback, all of it. Just go to thegentlymad.com, send me a message. I'd be happy to help you if I can. All right, that's it for this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will see you next time. I'm sort of just an old guy with a big tongue. That's I'm just a big old tongue old man. That's all that is. Um, that's sort of how many words am I at?